Angus Young. How you doing? Good, Becca. The offspring. How's it going, Becca? Dave Grohl. How you going, mate? Good, man. Pete, it's been a long time coming. Oh, Becca, hasn't it indeed? We go inside the dressing room, speak to the biggest names in music. Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones. And crack open their esky. This is exactly how I imagined you, by the way, sitting opposite me with a vodka and orange. You're a discerning chap. This is The Rider. Hey, it's Becca. Welcome back to The Rider. We've had a massive few weeks uh, with Under the Southern Stars finally getting underway in Australia, and you can find all the dates so far. There's a good week to go with that festival, of course, with Bush. They have returned. They've got a brand new album in the works as well. You can catch up on the chat with Gavin Rossdale where he gives us a bit of a heads up on what is on the shelf, what they've recorded so far for this brand new Bush album. Of course, you'll see them with Under the Southern Stars and the legendary Cheap Trick. They have returned. They toured here three years ago. It was a real theatre tour last time, but this is... Cheap trick outdoors and playing in front of big crowds with Under the Southern Stars. And we had Rick Nielsen, the guitarist of Cheap Trick, just a couple of weeks ago. He gave us a heads up on a secret recording with ACDC that's sitting on a shelf. The fact that we toured with them, and the fact that yeah, I'll, I'll send you that uh, audio only yeah. of us playing the Johnny Be Good. Uh, and it's like, it was, it's funny, you know, because, you know, we don't, we don't really go jam or they don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, one of two people that have ever played with live on stage with Kiss. You know, it's like Joe Perry did and I did. But it's like playing with ACDC. That doesn't happen. Well, they certainly look up to ACDC. And that was a fact about Kiss I was unaware of, that they actually are one of only two people to actually performed on stage with the band. You can catch up on Gavin Rostow from Bush, Eric Kretz from Stone Temple Pilots, and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick right now on all platforms. You can get it on Apple, on Spotify, and on Anchor. But right now, another legend of Cheap Trick. He is very keen to be fronting that band on this Other Than Southern Stars tour. The man himself, Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. Hey, mate. Chris. It is good to see your face. This is an incredible studio you're in here, or, or, or back room, or whatever, whatever the hell it is you're in. Yeah, this is Z-Man Studios right here. <laughs> How many guitars you got behind you? Oh, uh, probably, I don't know, 25, maybe, 25, maybe. And, uh, you know, this, uh, this it's a writing room, really. Yeah. There's another 100 in a shed somewhere or probably on the No, I, that's you, that's the guitar player in our band that does that. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You must be really excited about coming uh, Australia. I mean, even just going overseas is a big deal. I am so freaking thrilled that we're doing this. Uh, we haven't been out, you know, for very long now, and... Uh, Two years of hiatus doesn't sit well with me. Well, you've had two false starts already as well, and and the original yeah. plan was, it was the ultimate solution for uh, quarantine. Was you guys go into this ultimate spring break of rock bands in inside yeah. a resort for two weeks and rehearse and hang out, yeah, and, and then the tour starts. And so I guess it's nice to just get off a plane and 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 do a normal tour. It's all right. It doesn't matter as long as we get up there and play. You know, that's all. That's the most important thing for me. Um, it's just not it's not easy to to swallow, but everybody has gone through it. You know, the, the pandemic and all um, it's a it's a depressing situation, but hopefully we can come over there and cheer you all up. We, we need it. We've had it all. We've had bushfires. We've had COVID. Come now on. it's what? Now it's flooding. Now it's there, flooding. You know? <laughs> I know what's going on. Hey. 
it, it's Armageddon. Just, this is Australia, though. It, you could go from yeah. droughts to flood literally uh, within a month. We'll just we'll come over and chase it all away. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, this is from a band who are well uh, practiced. I mean, you've done thousands of shows over the years. It's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we got twenty albums out, and uh, we're still writing songs for the next one. And we right now we're in Vegas doing um, doing a residency there. And uh, we call it Decades, and uh, uh, somebody already owns that name, so we just got a few lawyers on top of us right now. Just change the spell. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, we're uh, you know we we're doing songs from every decade of our careers, which is five decades, and uh, you know it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to play some of that music for you all when we get over there. Well, I mean, it's everyone's dream to do a, a residency in Vegas. I mean, uh, you know, you, you're not a, you're not someone unless you've done it because it, you know you can get the money, you know, crazily money in Vegas. You know, well, that's true uh, if you do the right thing. But we're we're only doing four shows, so we're not doing a whole. <laughs> you know, we've done that residency bit before when we did the Sergeant Pepper shows, and yeah. we did that. We did that for a whole year, and even took it around the country. And but um, you know. I prefer going around touring than sitting around, no matter what the money is. Of course you would. You never get tired of it. I mean, um, yeah. you must be pr- a proud dad, by the way. Your, your, son, I am. your son filled in uh, last year when you came back from yes. COVID and, and, and yes. you, know, you had Dax as well on drums. I mean, what a yes. father-son thing. Yes. These kids grew up with cheap tricks, so hell, they, they know the music better than we do. <laughs> You know, it's it, it's good to have them around. It's like, what chord was that? You know, what was, was that arrangement like? Hey, yeah, I'll tell you. You know, it's, it's great. But uh, yeah, they're very talented kids. My son's got a record. It's going to be coming out pretty soon, hopefully. Um, and I was just, uh, I was thinking maybe Australia might be a good start for him, you know. Well, look, it, it might be a nice place to just to move for a little while and join some bands and move to Byron Bay, do what all the cool kids do. That's what they do. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, hell yes. You know, congrats on the on the album, by the way. You put it out last year. And were they telling you to delay things a little bit because of COVID? Because that's often what it is. Yeah. If, you, if you can't tour off the back of an album, they yeah, say it's almost... that's exactly... You know. You're exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And uh, But, you know, we released the, the album anyway. We couldn't, we couldn't tour, but... Uh, I think it became sort of a, a nice gift for people to, you know, listen to the fans of ours to listen to us anyway, even though they couldn't come and see us play. You came out recently uh, in rebuttal pretty much of what Paul Stanley said. He said, I think uh, in a radio show sort of last year, oh, look, if, if, if you know, for classic rock bands, it's, there's almost no, no point in putting out new music and you said, "Well, no, that's BS. We we got to do this to uh, we do it for ourselves. We do it for the fans, and and um, there's no point in being around without doing some new music." And yeah, well, there's you know each to his own opinion on things like that. Uh, maybe maybe he's just all dried up as far as writing songs is concerned. You know, I don't know. Well, Gene famously said that rock's dead uh, as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, well, a lot of bands do. You know, look at bands like Foreigner. They they don't do any new records they go out and play and you know and they make a living doing it and even though the original there's only one original guy in the band you know that sort of thing but you know it that's the way it is uh with a lot of these bands that are you know as old as we are but um we're still the same guys and we we there's three songwriters in our band and uh we still like to be you know current as much as we can 
Now, I've got to get you to put up that, that beer up against the screen because uh, you're oh. drinking something right now. What do you got? It's called Just the Haze by, by Samuel Adams. Samuel Adams. Because yeah. the, the podcast is called The Rider, and I always ask uh, everyone uh, what is in your demands on your rider list. What do you ask for these days anyway? Well, uh, I don't ask for much. I like, you know, of course, the normal things like water. I like coffee. I like um, Bailey's in my coffee. So I have a little bottle of Bailey's next to the coffee machine. And then um, I ask for a couple beers afterwards. And that's about it, really. That's probably, how does that differ to the old days? Did you ever get pretty crazy and ask for some stuff that you never thought you'd get? Oh, yeah. The old days. Oh, God, yeah. You, we would get pretty extravagant, you know, with food and demand uh, a bottle of wine that's uh, over 50 bucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Just but you can, those, you know yeah. yeah, those days are gone, you know. Now I want to talk about Live at Budokan, which um, is the, the one thing all Cheap Trick fans all talk about. Um, you know, as soon as I moved over to rock radio, uh, they're all saying yeah. you've got to get on some live tracks from that. What, what made that such an incredible live album, which years later was still charting. I mean, it's a record. I never really liked the album myself. I, <laughs> I thought so- sonically it stunk, and the, the cover sucked too. And you know, but uh, you got to remember, we were completely broke then. You know, we we had borrowed as much money as we possibly could, and spent it all making these records. This was our uh, fourth attempt at putting out an album. And we'd already spent all our, our dough. So um, I think we spent the last $10,000 we had on, on, on going over there and, and making that record. And I couldn't tell you why it was popular. I can't to this day understand it, but I think the music was good. The songs were good. And the uh, audience response, I think, might have had something to do with, you know, people going, oh, this must be great. Everybody's screaming, you know, or whatever. But um I don't know. I can't answer that question. But all I know is that it took a while for it to catch on. Uh, it was popular in Japan and it went to uh, Europe and England as kamikaze yellow vinyl, <laughs> which is a little odd. Yeah, that's a bit weird. You know, yeah, a little bit weird. But then um, it went to Canada and uh, in Canada, it was double platinum before it was even released in the States. So, I mean, it took a while for it to catch on. But once it did, you know, it sold millions of records. So. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like a year later in, in the States when they finally gave in and went, okay, we'll put it out. And Exactly, yeah. exactly. Isn't it incredible <laughs> that record companies, you know, just to... <laughs> Well, you know, I think they're all looking for a hit. Their bottom line is cash, and they want they want to make cash. Yeah. And if, yeah. they don't, if they don't hear it, which obviously they didn't hear it in the States off that record, then um, they're going to not release it. Yeah. And yeah. we proved them wrong. You know, we shoved it right down their throats, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Coming down uh, down under, I mean, um, over the years, you've been friends with ACDC. Um, I think yeah. Rick was saying how in the very early years, you, you hung out with them in the States. Oh, yeah. And um, I think the Angels as well, you might have had a bit to do. Oh, yeah. We love those two bands in particular. But we, we also like the vibe that was happening in the 70s in the late seventies uh, in Australia. So, I mean, so, you know, we, we would go over there when we toured there and we, uh, we, you know, on our day off, we would go to the clubs and see these rock bands. Some, most of them unknown, but still just really great music. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we did become friendly with the angels 
you know, went to their homes and stuff and, you know, still keep in touch with the twins. And they're still going strong. They're still doing new music and. uh, Yeah. 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 We saw them last time we were in Australia. Of course, ACDC, you know, we toured with them before either band was popular and we brought, you know, we went to the States and we toured almost every university in the country and, and the, the audience was maybe half full at some of the spots, but, but it really paid off because, you know, uh, you know, highway to hell, all of a sudden, bam, the world knew what was going on. That was the one, that was the album. And um, actually, you know what? I thought I heard a story that you rescued the angels too, because they uh, had their gear stolen in Chicago. I think it might've been. Yes, they did. (laughs) They did. (laughs) They didn't know anybody, so they're like, help, help. <laughs> they parked their van. Now, this is just because they, they maybe, you know, didn't know. But Chicago can be a, a kind of a rough place, you know. So they parked their van with all their gear in it and left the back doors unlocked. And, you know, guys come around and they see that and boom, it's gone. And so... So we loaned them our gear just for, you know, because we knew they were in a tough shape. So you're going to be standing side of stage watching Rose Tattoo and Angry Anderson because, uh, because they have inspired so many. Yeah. I haven't seen Rose Tattoo in so long that this is going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, and I've never seen the other acts, so I don't know. Well, you, yeah, you got Bush and Stone Temple Pilots are going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, I, I know them, but I mean, Bush I've never seen, so yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Um, one song I think I saw on, on the television. And now you're coming up to five decades. Is it, it, this, when does arthritis start to kick in and, and forgetfulness? I mean, what do you think my sons of the band playing rhythm guitar? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's partly true. Believe it or not, but um, yeah, it's like I could be Mick Jagger now. You know, if I want to not have to play on one song, I I don't have to because I got I got Robin behind me. But he's a great addition to our group, and we're happy to have him. And vocally, it, he just helps me out. You know, he's a s- strong vocalist. Unfortunately, the vocals really do cop it. I, I remember seeing Simon and Garfunkel, and poor old Art, his, uh, his voice was really waning <laughs> towards the end. It's not his fault. It's just what, it's what happens, you know. It's tough, you know, I got to admit. You know, I, I haven't had any problems yet, but I, I feel it maybe coming – down the road a piece. I don't know. We'll have got, see. Have you got the auto cue yet? I mean, that's the that's the next step. <laughs> but it's it's a real um uh, you know credit to you that 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 you're 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 still going solidly and also motivated to put out new music because that's that's always the first thing that 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 goes uh, is is you know what uh, the, the lack of hunger of putting out a yeah, new have album. Yeah. Have you have you heard our latest record? Yeah, I heard it a year ago. And oh okay. And, okay. and um, because I I had Rick on the phone um I think just after it came out I think it was also leading into under the Southern Stars. What was it? There was a a Lennon cover in there. I think I. I yeah, loved. give me some truth. Yeah, that was yes. great. You know, believe it or not. You know, we we were writing the music for that before the pandemic. When the record was released, some of the some of the uh, critics and stuff were saying, you know, oh man, you guys, you know, you really hit the nail on the head about the pandemic. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> it wasn't even <laughs> nothing was about that, you know. But anyway, that's it, always it, what she, happens, though. It just shows that people yeah. people can read into. Uh, Song choices, sure. but also lyrics, and make it what they want to make of it. You know exactly. And if and if that shoe fits, you might as well wear it. I guess. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, but the fact that you're putting out that, uh, you know, is, is a real credit. Now, tell me, did you get discovered in a bowling alley? Is that is that true? Yes, that's true. Because you were doing the circuit. Um, you were playing gigs and, you know, what what would be, We were know, playing everywhere. Yeah. We played seven nights a week for the first two years. I mean, we, we played literally everywhere and we drove everywhere. Um, we got discovered in a bowling alley by Jack Douglas, who happened to have family in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And they went bowling one night and there we were and <laughs> sort of like that. And so he liked us so much. He made a phone call to CBS and uh, told, told him to get somebody uh, from Epic records to get their ass down to see cheap trick. So they did come, they came to Peoria, Illinois to see us and Columbia came to see us. And finally uh, we got the phone call that uh, they'd like to sign us to a record deal. And that's how it started. It's incredible because that's that's a that's a gift to any A and R person is to just rock up with the family to a a bowling alley and all of a sudden there's a multi million dollar band there waiting to be signed. It's incredible. Yeah, well they they didn't know that at the time, but the A and R guy did, I guess. You know, so that's why they hire these guys. They're supposed to be really smart. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't hear about the ones that don't make it. You just hear the ones that, that do make it through, which is yes, uh, yes. you know that that's often what. Um, uh, makes Australian bands so resilient when they tour overseas as well. I mean, is the fact that that you're playing seven days a week and sometimes on weekends doing two shows a day or even three, I yeah. think, you know. Uh, and you never know who's going to show up. I mean, you don't know that. So, you know, you're always on your, uh, your you put your best foot forward every night, you know, uh, and try to do the best job you can just in case something happens like that. We were so f- fortunate and lucky for that to happen. And not only that, but once that happens, then you have to carry on and you have to, you know, keep, keep it up. You have to uh, album after album, you have to keep writing songs that are decent. Not every song we write, we know is great or anything like that, but you have to try your best, you know? And uh, I think our, our boys do what guys in our band do. It's been match fit pretty much, you know, keeping the, the, yeah. the songwriting brain uh, switched on. Yeah. and Yeah. Keeps the you know yeah. the arthritis away as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Robin, it's great to have a chat, and uh, thanks so much for your time. And we can't wait well, to see you. Thank you, Chris. I, I appreciate it. We're so we're so excited to come back to Australia and see our old friends and stuff. So I hope to see you when we go, come and play. Well, we'll make sure we have a, a slab of Samuel Adams waiting for you at the airport. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can drink the Fosters or the, you know, the other shit too. You know? Mate, I love Fosters. Yeah, you can't get it I anywhere. I do too. <laughs> it's the best. Our problem with Fosters over here is by the time it gets here, it's, uh, it's a bit you warm. Know, you got to drink it fresh you know, over there. <laughs> Hey, Robin, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you soon. Good on you. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Well, there he is, Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, one of the legendary blokes of rock and roll. And uh, it's an interesting story about Cheap Trick. They were discovered in a bowling alley, and the rest is kind of history. And he still thinks that that live performance of Live at Budokan wasn't actually that great, but that really set up the band. You can catch that one under the Southern Stars. It's already underway. We've got Melbourne, a few shows in Adelaide, Wollongong and Sydney on March 23 and ending in Brisbane on March 27, all online at underthesouthernstars.com.au. But now as an added bonus, also on the bill is this band. Electric Mary, one of Australia's great bands. You've probably seen them live. You might have seen them at V-Fest or especially over in Europe. They've got a massive following in Europe. 
In fact, they're bigger in Europe than anywhere else. Rusty from Electric Mary, I know you're lying on your bed right now. This is a bit like that famous Michael Hutchins interview. Oh, I could anyway. be John without Yoko. Yeah, you could be John without Yoko. How you been, mate? Been all right? Yeah, I've been good. Really good, yep. It's Did a gig a- on uh, Saturday night, the first one we've done in a long, long time. What was that like, going back to doing a gig? Because I've been to a couple since the end of lockdown but as a performer it must feel like a whole nother level well because we we played good it felt really good you know it's like there you go there's my tracksuit pants of music (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is i said to the boys yes you know i've woken up happy on a sunday morning that's all i care about honestly we we play all right pretty much every time but there's every now and then where things don't work for individuals and You know, if I don't have a good gig, I really hate it. I hate it. I think about it for days because, you know, we've got the tour coming up and that's going to be awesome because you can redeem yourself the very next day if things don't go well. But uh, in a normal situation, we might not be able to redeem ourselves for a few weeks. So I've got all that downtime to think about it. It's a really good point. Like, um, on a festival lineup and you're doing, you know, maybe a day off in between and, and you're doing a more condensed set as well. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you can just, you literally, yeah, you're as good as your last show. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What was it like in lockdown? Did you did you find it really hard? A lot of these bands, uh, you know, and also the crew, they need to play live. You need to sell T-shirts yeah. and, and, and all that stuff. I'm hearing that a lot of crew people have just given it away. They've just got jobs and they've gone, okay, I actually don't mind this not going out on the weekend business. Um, I'm talking to older crew now, um, which is sad because those people, their knowledge is learnt from the ground up, you know. They may have been a kid uh, just walking past saying, hey, can I help you load your gear in and that, and it went from there. Whereas um, the people that do it now probably learn from an audio, audio technical school or whatever which is nothing wrong with that either because I've been to that to learn stuff, which has been very, very helpful. But, you know, when the two schools come together and it works, it's really cool. But, yeah, I worry for those uh, older sort of crew guys and girls. Yeah, certainly the older ones. Um, like there's one I know who was on the old you know radio station crew, and his name was Banana, and he um, <laughs> was, a, was a ex-roadie ex-truck driver and then we started working at a radio station and I used to just love watching him work and he was very structured yeah. and he uh, he always knew when someone was slacking off and, and he could always pick if something was going to go wrong before it happened and, right. that, and that's the experience you, 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 you can't buy. No, you can't and all group crew members know that and the thing about like I think I feel like band members slash roadies Musicians and crew are resilient people because a lot of stuff goes wrong every day and it has to be made right quickly. So they have to think on their feet all the time. These are ones who aren't really supported either. Like uh, there's only sort of probably a, a handful, maybe five or six Aussie artists who could probably get through a couple of years without any income. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Bar- people like Barnsley and whatever, they're doing fine. Yeah. But but yeah. all the other bands, uh, they need to play live and their crew need it even more because they don't have a, a fallback. No, that's right. That's right. I actually started a business during this period called Be Inside the Circle, which um, I attempted to help other bands 
you know, around our ilk and a little bit under whatever, just because, um, you know, I've done a lot of things and I'd like to pass on the knowledge. So, um, you know what it's like um, when you when you talk to somebody, you take what you want and you utilise that and some things you don't, you just probably think, oh, no, I don't want that bit of advice. I won't use that, but I can use this. And, you know, that's how you start the next wave of whatever it is you're going to do. And many people have said great little snippets of things to me along the way that I still use today. There's not a lot of mentorship in, in, in the industry in a way. And uh, yeah. I think that's really And that's really what cool. I like to do. And you also worked on that, uh, that new single which came out last year. Yeah, rock and roll. And, and was that self-produced by you? Is that the go? Yeah, so we recorded and produced that one ourselves. Did that out of Studio One B with um, Brent, a new guy we've been working with, which is really cool too. He has a lot of good energy about him. You know, um, he's a younger guy and he he's trying to get ahead in the in the business. And he's yeah, worked really well. Was- he's he's uh he's um what's the word I'm looking for? Attention to detail. That's hard if to he find. Thinks he needs, if he thinks he needs to move a microphone an inch and a half, he'll move it an inch and a half. He won't say, oh, don't worry, I'll fix it later. He just goes and moves it. And if it's not right, he just moves it back to where it was. And I like that. You know, that finicky stuff can really help. Particularly the drum setup um, with all bands. Yeah. They've got those headaches at the start of a, a recording session where you just got to move things constantly <laughs> and eventually you yeah. get it. In a sweet spot. That's exactly what I'm talking about, man. You have hit the nail on the proverbial head. <laughs> they're most important, man. The drums are the most important. They are, and, and they're the, the hardest to get right. And I, I remember interviewing uh, the choir boys, I think it was, and they're talking about in Albert's music, they spent five days to get the drums in the right spot, and they move. They were moving it constantly, and eventually they were like, oh, great, we've finally done it. And then they came back overnight, I guess the janitor moved yeah. the drums out of the way overnight to get access to a air conditioning vent or something to fix something, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was all it was all screwed. I went to Jimi Hendrix Studio in in New York at, in Manhattan, and um, Mary Campbell, who is actually Electric Mary, that's her nickname. Wow! Um, yeah. She told me that Axl Rose brought in a book with a picture of Stevie Wonder that had been made in that studio. Um, I'm not sure what album he was making, but he was playing the piano. So when Axl Rose did November Rain, he had the piano placed in exactly the same position. Wow. This is, I've never heard this before. Yeah. That's well, insane. That's what she tells us. I mean, a lot of history in that studio. I'm so glad you got in there and got to meet Mary as well. Um was it pretty cool yeah. walking in and seeing all the, the plaques on the wall and feeling the yeah. history of the place? Well, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I told people. I seriously, you know, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because when you think about the songs that have been made in that studio, I was standing in the middle of rock and roll history. Like anybody who's anybody has been in that place and drank from the same cups and sat in the same chairs. And, you know, obviously Axel played the piano in the same spot. Um, you know, Lennon and Bowie 
and Carlos Alamore wrote fame in that studio, just standing around. That's where it started. Carlos Alamore had the riff and they just went from there. Um, for, yeah, there's a lot of history in that place. It's a great feeling when you walk in there, you know. Is it amazing how you just need something like the fire? And, uh, and that's why it's great to record at home and, and do all those things, but th- there is something about walking into an established recording studio yeah. where there's history and, and, and it's got a certain sound and, and, and also the, the people behind it. That's and the- there may be someone else in another room that you're looking up to and you're like, oh, my God, they're here too. You that's know? how the ultimate collaborations happen. That's how all those notable yep. ones on, on albums we love or, or whatever, they, they were next door in the studio. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. Can you come in and do the guitars for us? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched many musical docos where that has happened. And it's usually yeah. Eric Clapton. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He was, <laughs> he was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other great thing is, when you watch those docos or when I watch them is um, how many people you don't think would play on a record like that have been on it because they were next door. People often forget that, you know, for the love of music, you don't just like one style of music. You might play that style of music, but it doesn't mean you just love that and you won't listen to anything else. You know, maybe if you're playing death metal, that might be the case. But do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Deep Purple's my favourite band, but I know that Crowded House are as good as that. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing about music. You you, you hear uh, crossovers as well where um, people go into pop. I mean, I mean, Slash play guitar and, you know, Michael Jackson songs. You know, it, it, it's yeah, sort of, yeah. you've got to have an open mind on things, I guess is a way of, a way of saying yeah. it. Rick Rubin hey. does some great pop songs, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you could uh, mix the two. There's a there's a band from some, I forget where they're from now, they're called Ginger with a J. Yes. Yeah, she sings wonderfully well, and then they get to the choruses and she goes, it's like, wow, okay, you just went from Christina Aguilera to whoever, I don't know who. Yeah, mad. So I, I'm guessing they'd be Eastern European because they're so good at that stuff. Well, you're saying before about Deep Purple being, you know, your, your favorite band. You you supported Deep Purple. How the fuck was that? Yeah, that was really cool, man. That's the um, dream. Yeah, you know what they say: they never meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that too. <laughs> they were they actually weren't getting along. I believe the keyboard player said to us, "Oh, yeah, you know, things aren't going too well at the moment." Like, really? Okay. But I have a funny story from that. I was in a conversation, in a three-way conversation, which I butted into really. But anyway, I was in a three-way conversation with Ian Gillen, me, and Dennis Lilly. (laughs) They were talking about um, participation awards and, you know, Dennis Lilly hated it, hated it, you know, because he's a passionate, you know, Till the death, man. Anyway, we're chatting, chatting, chatting. It was the last gig of the tour. We played about 10 shows, I think, with them. Anyway, the manager come up to Ian Gillen. He said, oh, we've got to go now. Do you want to take a photo with Rusty before we go? He says, yeah, yeah, which one's he? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I felt about, you know, 10 centimetres high. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. 
I didn't take the photo though. It is often tough when when you you meet the ones who don't often live up to the reputation. But then on the other on the flip side, you meet other ones who give you the so much more than than you ever expected. I can tell you now, if it wasn't Timothy Drury, the keyboard player of White Snake, we would have never gone to Europe. Loved us, and he said, "I'm gonna help you. I don't know how or what I can do." You know, we went to Europe. We played two shows with them. We lost 20 grand, but who cares? Because we've since toured Europe 10 times since then. And it's all because of him. And and you have a, a massive following in, in Europe. And, and, and some would say you're, you're bigger in Europe than you are in Australia. Uh, all off that. We actually are bigger in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've tried them all. We tried America too, but we just didn't really nail it there. So... You know, we had a choice to make at one stage where we come to a fork in the road and it was either Europe or America. So we chose to go with Europe, which I think was a great thing. The great thing about Europe, you can drive for 10 hours and go through five countries and play 15 shows. You can drive from Melbourne to Sydney in the same 10 hours, play once and come home. But we're about to do that. We are about to do that. So how do you feel under the Southern Stars? You're um you've got yeah. legendary Cheap Trick and and Bush Stone Temple Pilots uh, and of course uh, Rose Tattoo. I mean, it it yeah. it must feel nice. It's finally happening after a couple of false starts. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited about it. So I'm driving up. I'm taking a slow road up, and um yeah, I'm just gonna take it all in, gonna breathe easy, and um, meet the boys up there on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, it's – oh, man, we've been waiting for three years for this. So in, in 2019, we played November the 30th and we were coming home to play under the Southern Stars. I think it was happening in March that next year, 2020. And obviously we'd known about it for six months beforehand. And then we were going to do our own shows and then we are going back to Europe. We've done nothing. We've played two gigs. In since 2019. Oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. And at one point, everyone was looking towards us as the holy grail because um, for a good three or four months, we had zero COVID and we started to have yeah. shows again. And yeah. anyone overseas were still in lockdown. We're like, how are they doing it? I think they're, you know, let's, let's not tell any secrets, but I think everyone's going to be there on Thursday just mucking around together. Anyway, so that might be a cool thing to hang around for. I think so. I think, and I just love how it's a it's an old school press conference. Like that doesn't always happen. Um, it used to happen in the eighties. Bands get up, do the press conference, and then start the tour. And I love that this is happening again. It's it's something that they don't do often enough these days. Yeah, that's the way in, man. That's the way in. That's where the big bands pull their muscle. This is my thoughts only, but. I always think it's great to go on before the main band because then they got to come on after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the pressure's on them. It's not on you. That, that, that's for sure. Unless you're uh, ACDC where it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Man, I'm hoping they come back and do one final tour. There's, 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 uh-uh. you, you know, you just hope. They have to. Yeah. yeah. They won't have a choice. Well, look, it's so good to uh, to see you, and 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 we can't wait. I'm going to call you um, after this is all over and find out all the awesome uh, conversations uh, backstage you would have had. And uh, I, I I just can only imagine it's going to be amazing. Call me during the tour, man. I'll tell you on the spot. Yeah, I'll do that after the first two shows. 
But Rusty yeah. from Electric Mary, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you take care. Enjoy the, the return of live music, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you so much. Well, there he is, Rusty from Electric Mary, and the legendary Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. You can catch up on the chats with Gavin Rossdale from Bush, Eric Kretzman, Stone Temple Pilots, and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, now available on all platforms. And, of course, Under the Southern Stars continues until March 27. Get your tickets online, underthesouthernstars.com.au. Next week, Slash is back with a brand-new album, Four, with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, a member of that band next week on the podcast. This is The Rider with Becco. I'll catch you then.